0: Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe Pettick teaches from the book of Revelation, chapter 14.
1: Revelation chapter 14, picking up in verse 1, Revelation 14, verse 1. The title of our message this morning is God's Ambassadors, God's Ambassadors. It was so funny, Uh, Pastor Chad, the youth pastor, and myself, we went to Home Depot because we had to get some spray paint. And so we were there together, and we went to the paint department. There was a young lady there, and and she asked us, you know, what color paint we needed. I really wasn't sure. I knew Chad knew, and it was for our puppet show, for our prop. We needed to paint it, right? So he says, we need silver glitter spray paint. And the lady just looked at us like, you know, there are two guys standing together asking for silver glitter spray paint. (laughs) And right away, I thought, I want to make sure she knows I'm married, you know, because I just, just, just seemed strange. And she, I mean, she, she acted as as if we were her long lost brother. She's just loving us. Hey guys, you guys are great and this and that. So I'm like, I want her to know I'm married. And and so I'm like, you know, I'm talking about my wife. And then she looked at Chad, like I was talking about him being my wife. (laughs) And so right away, we interjected Jesus. So we started talking about the Lord. And it was the craziest thing. As soon as we said the J word, Jesus, she was just, she acted as if, you know, like we were just terrible people. Why would you, why would you ruin our conversation with Jesus? We're called to be ambassadors and we're called to be ambassadors for the Lord wherever we go. As Christians, we're, we're his ambassadors. We're his representatives. A, a definition for ambassador, I'll just read it to you, is a person sent as the chief representative of his or her government in another country or an authorized representative or a messenger. As believers, again, we're ambassadors. We have the message of Jesus Christ. We, you know, we're our citizenship, the Bible says, is not of this world, basically. We're citizens of heaven, amen? And really, we're just, we're foreigners in this place. And sometimes I, I believe we forget the fact that we're foreigners here. And the reality is, we are foreigners, and no matter how people react to the message, we're still to share the message. And no matter how they react to how we re- represent the Lord, we need to do our best to do it by the leading and the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit, amen? With that being an introduction, we're going to see messengers here. We're going to see ambassadors, and we're going to read about them. So let's take a look at these ambassadors, different than the church. So let's take a look and see who these ambassadors are. And it says, verse 1, Revelation 14, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb, standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the living creatures and the elders. And no one can learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, For they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being firstfruits to God and to the Lamb. Last verse. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. What a text. The 144,000, we see the Lamb standing there. The Lamb obviously is who? Pretty easy. Jesus. So we see the 144,000 standing with Jesus on Mount Zion and they sing a song. That no one else could sing. And I, I believe, you know, being there, the first fruits, they were, you know, we read about them in, in Revelation chapter 7. They had a special seal on them. They, They had a seal of protection that during the tribulation period, no one could destroy them. No one could kill them. Remember that? We read about that. And now we see them standing with the lamb and they're singing praises before the throne of God. And it says Mount Zion, and, and Mount Zion, this might be, you know, most commentators, I believe, think, believe that this is uh, the literal Mount Zion there in Israel, uh, in Jerusalem there, the, the Temple Mount, and Jesus will reign from that Temple Mount in the Millennial Kingdom when he comes back a second time. So most believe that that's what it is, but to, to me, I believe it's possible, and I, I'm not being dogmatic about this, but I believe it's very possible that this is the, the heavenly scene, this is the heavenly Zion. And then because the reason why I believe that is because he's before the throne of God. You see the 24 elders, they're in heaven. You see the four living creatures, they're in heaven. So I believe what happens is they're, they're taken out the 144,000. I believe, you know, at some period, uh, because in chapter 13, if you recall, that the Antichrist, when he comes on the scene, he's going to have, remember, he's going to be able to, to overcome all the saints, right? Remember we read that? So they don't have a chance. At the middle of the tribulation period, once the Antichrist takes full power, uh, he's going to have power over the saints. So I believe, now this is just me, you know, I can't be dogmatic about this, but it says redeemed, and that word means purchased by, but also can be withdrawn from the earth. And I believe as the Antichrist has power over all of these, all of, over the saints during that time, not the church, the church is going to be where? In heaven, right? So we're going to be in heaven so he's going to have power over all the saints, the believers that became their tribulation saints. But it's possible that John sees this vision, and guess what? They were taken up. They were brought up, and the, these 144,000 are standing before the throne of God, and they're singing. And do you notice the harps are in there too? is that awesome? Don't you love the sound of the harps? I think it's probably one of the most beautiful instruments that we have on earth, isn't it? Just the sound. the violin. I love the violin also. But then the harp is just so beautiful. So the sounds of the, the harps. And it, it, I don't know who's playing these harps. It doesn't tell us that. But wouldn't it be cool if these are, you know, it could be, you know, we're, we're going to probably play harps. Some of us are going to play. I can't play. I hope I can play an instrument in heaven because I can't play an instrument now. But maybe the angels are playing instruments. But it's a heavenly scene. And, and to back up what, I, what I'm saying, in, in Hebrews 12, 22, and 23 it says, But you have come to Mount Zion, right? We just talked about Mount Zion, the Temple Mount. And it says, And to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Isn't that cool? Registered in heaven. Are you registered in heaven? Are you all you guys registered in heaven? I know I am. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made Perfect. So, this Mount Zion, a heavenly Jerusalem. So, I can't be dogmatic. It's either uh, on the earth, they're standing there with Jesus, they're standing there in victory, most likely a, a vision of his second coming, if that's what it is. They're standing there in his second coming, and they're standing there in victory, and all this worship music is going on in heaven while he's standing there, or it could very well be that they were caught up to heaven, and that's the scene that we're looking at. And these are the 144,000 that are going to be on the earth. And they're going to be like Billy Grahams. Do you ever wonder why pastors always say that? I even wonder sometimes. Why why do they always say these 144,000 are going to be like, 144,000, they're all going to be like Billy Grahams on the earth. Well, the reason why we believe that, and I, I believe that, is because in chapter 7, it talks about how they're, they're sealed with the Holy Spirit, where they're sealed with a special seal, and they go out into the earth, right? But right after that, it talks about the multitudes that are innumerable, that are standing in heaven, that, that come out of the tribulation period. So most of us, we connect the two together, saying, these guys are the ones, they're the first fruits, they're the first ones that are sealed at the beginning of the tribulation period. And then because of their great witness, multitudes and multitudes come to know the Lord. Do you have family members that don't know Jesus? One of these 144,000 might come up to them and share the gospel with them. They're going to be spread out. They're going to be Jewish too. These are not Jehovah's Witnesses, okay? Do you guys know that? (laughs) Even though they claim that they have the 144,000. No, these are going to be Jewish, 12,000 from every tribe. What I'd like to do now, though, I'd like to focus on verses four and five as we talk about the ambassadors, us being ambassadors. Verses 4 and 5. And I want to look at how they were ambassadors. And I want to look at the fact that we're called to be ambassadors. And I, I believe we can see from their character uh, how these men were. And I hope that as we look at their lives, we can be better ambassadors here on the earth. Amen? And the first thing I believe we see is these men were men of purity. Did you see that? They were men of purity, if you take note it says in verse 4 it's up on the screen it says these are the ones who were not defiled with women for they were they are virgins the word virgins it's it's not, you know, it, it could mean that they were virgins, they were never with a woman before, and that's very possible. But uh, it also could just mean they abstained from all sexual impurity, they, and also um, whoredom. Not, they weren't with, you know, harlots. And so some even believe, I'm not sure, we don't know for sure, but it's possible these these Jewish men may have been married. So maybe they were married just with one wife, but it totally means they were sexually pure. They didn't, you know, they were with one woman or they were with no women at all. They were total virgins. They've never been married, one or the other. Uh, For sure, though, it means that they were totally pure. And it's a good reminder for us as believers that are here today the importance of sexual purity. We live in a culture today that glorifies sex and sensuality, don't we? Everywhere, television. Commercials, the internet, magazines, billboards, everywhere. It's like, it's like sex is glorified. Sensuality is glorified. It's almost like, you know, we're raising the society to say, well, this is a good thing. And in the, in, have you ever watched a commercial before and you're like, you don't even know what it's about? You're like, what are they selling? It just looks like, it's, it looks like they're selling sex. But actually, you know, because sex sells is what they say. And that's a society that we live in today. But we're called as believers to, to be separated from that. Doesn't mean we're called to be virgins we where we not we don't we're not with anyone. No, the, the marriage bed is undefiled and it's you know there, there's you know that's what you know sex is set up for marriage and it's a good thing in, in marriage. But outside of marriage, the Bible makes it very clear that sex outside of marriage is, is not permitted. I remember as a youth pastor when I was a fairly young Christian in Michigan. I remember I was at the grocery store and I was standing in line at the grocery store and there was a magazine on the magazine rack. There was a, a real, you know, terrible picture of a, you know, slinky bathing suit, and a girl half, you know, undressed and all. And so I just thought, you know, that's not good. I'm, and I'm a youth pastor and I had my nieces and nephews with me and so I'm standing there waiting for them to come in line. So I just went to turn it around the other way so they didn't have to look at, it, I didn't have to look at. It. And I turned it around the other way and I looked. It's whoa, it was worse on the other side. And I was like, oh, and I put it back the other way. <laughs> So funny, my feisty wife, she, she told me when she first came to the United States from Scotland, she said when she would go to the, as a young single woman, she's still young, but she's not single, obviously, <laughs> but she would go to the, uh, the bookstores like Barnes and Nobles and those, and she would actually take Bibles and Christian books and she would, all the bad pictures, she'd put Bibles and Christian books over <laughs> all the bad pictures, I just think about it. It must be terrible, you know, raising children in this type of a culture. It's like acceptable. Like we say, oh, this is good. This is acceptable. Paul the Apostle tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, talking to the believers, do you want to know the will of God? Well, Paul tells you what the will of God is for your life. As a believer, it says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That means being set apart. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. The word sexual immorality, the Greek word is pornea. That's where we get our, our English word, pornography. It speaks of, again, sex outside of marriage. So Paul the Apostle is telling us, if you want to know the will of God for your life, if you want to know what God calls you to do, he wants you to be separate from sexual immorality. He wants you to be sanctified. He wants you to be set apart from that as a believer, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel. In sanctification and honor, your vessel meaning your own body. You, you should know how you're supposed to operate. You're supposed to operate as a believer in sanctification and honor. And then verse five, he says, "Not in passions of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God." And that passion, that lust, you're to turn from it. Those things that that you know entice, you're to turn from it. And again, you know, I want to make it very clear in marriage. Sex is not only permitted, it's honorable. It's, it's a good thing. But outside of marriage, it's not. Paul the Apostle tells us, and tells actually young Timothy, a young pastor, he says, flee also youthful lust. But check this out. The alternative you know, we, we all, if God has given us, you know, different drives. And one of the drives that we have, we have sex drives. We, we, you know, God has created that in us, but outside of marriage, we're not to do that. And at the time, Timothy was a young man. He says, okay, flee youthful lust. You're a young man. Turn away from that. But then he gives the, the alternative. He says, you know what you do? This is what you do. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So, young Timothy, I'll tell you what, I know you have these desires, I know you have these drives, and, and, you know, they're God-given drives, but until it's marriage time, you know, I want you to do something. Consume yourself with other believers. Consume yourself with, with those that have pure hearts. You know, you know, pursue righteousness and faith. In other words, stay in church. Hang out in Bible studies. Hang out in the things of the Lord, you know, because if you don't, you could get yourself in a lot of trouble. So the exhortation goes out. And then the last one for this, I love this one. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Do you want to see God more in your life? Ask him to purify your heart. Ask him to cleanse you deep within and bring purity inside of you. You know, the one good thing, the the blessing as being a believer, is the cross of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So whatever we mess up, we go to the cross, we say, God, forgive me, Lord, I repent, I turn, I give you my sin, and he cleanses us, and he purifies us, and he purifies our heart. And not only that, he takes away guilt and shame and all the garbage that goes with sin, and you can walk with assurance and who you are in Christ. And, and then you see God, you open up the word, and you're like, whoa, God is speaking to me. If you open up the word today, and the word of God is dead to you, I might, might suggest maybe you're not pure in heart, and God wants to purify your heart today. God wants to cleanse your heart today. You're not going to see God. If you're, you know, thinking, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to seek God. You know, I'm going to seek Him and I'm just going to live an impure life. I'm going to live the way I want to live. I want to live, you know, I'm not going to turn away from my ways. I'm going to live this life the way I want, but I'm going to go find God. Well, He says, first go to the cross. First give your sin to Him at the cross. And guess what? He will purify you today. He will wash away all your sin and all your unrighteousness. He will bring you to that place. He'll open up your spiritual eyes. And this Bible will make sense to you. Not only that, you're going to love reading your Bible. So blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So we see these men were pure as ambassadors, and were called in purity as believers. Second thing we see, they were men of consistency. If you're a note taker, they were men of consistency. Where do we see that? Well, it goes on to say, these are the ones who followed the lamb wherever he goes. Don't you like the just the way that sounds? These are the ones who followed the lamb wherever he goes. The lamb obviously being, can we say it together? Jesus. There's no doubt who this is. This is Jesus. Does this mean that you know, they physically, uh, you know, during the tribulation period, they physically saw Jesus and they're like, oh, there he is, let's go this way. No, 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 there he is, let's go. You know, it, it's not in the physical sense, and it's, it's in the spiritual sense. And I, I suggest that you know, through his word and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you know, they knew the leading of the Lord. And we have the same thing. And they were consistent you notice it doesn't say there was 140, you know, 43,999, right? One week, it's like, oh, we missed one. One didn't follow the Lamb. What happened? One was gone. No, every one of them were consistent right to the end. I don't know about you, but as a believer, this has been speaking to me a lot to be more consistent, being consistent in the things of God, not just on Sunday mornings. Guess what? You wake up Monday, are you following the Lamb wherever He goes? I've I've shared this before, but when I wake up in the morning, I usually say, good morning, Lord. I just, first thing, you know, even before I talk with my wife, I'm like, good morning, Lord. I I, want to, first thing, just talk to Him. I want to get my day started with Him and started in prayer, started, you know, I don't say, good Lord, it's morning, you know. I just like, (laughs) sometimes I feel that way start off the morning just seeking Him and opening up the Word and and following the Lamb wherever He goes and having that sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I get a visual picture with this. It was like when, when the Lord, by his Holy Spirit, would lead these guys. And again, this is a future event. These are, are men that are going to evangelize the earth in the time of tribulation, right? And, and I, I get this visual where they're just ready. They get up in the morning, and they're just like seeking God. And God just, you know, as they're you know walking through their day, the Lord's speaking to them like, I want you to go here, and I want you to talk to this person. And they're like, oh, yeah. And I, I, I wait, I don't want you to go to that place. I don't want you to. And they're like, OK, consistency, to be consistent in our walk. I feel so often, probably those in the church, you know, there's this lack of consistency. Oh, Lord, I'll I'll catch up with you. You know what? It's, okay, Sunday. We did Sunday. Remember, Lord, you and I, we did Sunday together. Can we catch up maybe next? Well, you know what? Ah, oh, no, I forgot. I've got plans next Sunday. Okay, the follow, oh, wait a second. No, not the follow. Okay, all right, three weeks from today, Lord, we're going to meet in the sanctuary. You and me, Lord. Let's meet together. The lack of consistency, and it's so important to be consistent in seeking first his kingdom. These men were used mightily, and I want to be an ambassador of God. I don't know about you, but if, if you want to be an ambassador of God, consistency is so important in our walk. These men followed the lamb everywhere he went. I don't know, someone did a, a study based on a 70-year lifespan, and he's, he kind of figured out the math on you know, how people spend their life in 70 years. And he put down that eight years is spent in amusement out of your 70 years. Six years are spent at the dinner table. I think mine's probably more like 20 years at the dinner table. I like to eat. So Five years in transportation, Four years in conversation. I think women's get a little higher than the guys. I don't know. Just suggesting. Three years being sick or covalescing. Probably convalescent homes or whatever. Three years. But less than one year for God. And the study that they did, that's considering if you go to church every Sunday and you pray about 10 minutes a day, it's less than one year of your life. That's terrible, isn't it? That doesn't sound consistent to me. That's an average. I remember when we first started this work 13 years ago, 2003. I remember we were renting the women's club down the street. What a time, wasn't that some of those times? Of the, we used to be so packed in this women's club. It was just so, people were standing outside, sitting outside. We even had a news reporter that came from the LA Times, and he, he did a report, and he had people with binoculars looking in the window because they couldn't get a seat inside. It was just it was just a fun time. It was just, a, the Lord was just, I mean, come on. I think, I think it held like, I'm guessing, is that 75, 85 people, 85 people or something. And I mean, the best seat in the house was the, 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 uh, the piano stand because it held three people on the piano stand. And we'd sit there on the piano stand. I used to love that seat, you know. And, but I remember our first Bible study. We, did, we, we haven't even started yet, so we're just going to launch it off, you know, here we are in town, and we're going to invite the whole neighborhood, we're going to see who's, you know, who's going to come, and so we printed up, I don't know how many flyers, and we just, we blanketed this area, we went to all the businesses, and all the stores, we went to all the homes, and we're passing out every, we had a crew that's just all fired up and excited, you know, so it was a Monday night, and we get there, and I'm standing up there, the, the pulpit, and I'm just waiting, and and then here comes the one family that goes to our church, and the other family showed up that goes to the church. My wife was there, I was there, and, and nobody showed up. Nobody. Nobody. And I remember I'm preaching and I'm teaching, I'm like, okay, Lord, what's up? Nobody showed up. You know, we must have printed like 20,000 or 40,000 flyers. We've printed all these flyers. Not one person shows up. And I remember I was starting to get discouraged and I'm walking outside. It's the end of the thing. I'm just walking. I'm thinking, wow, okay, I know you started the work, Lord. And I'm walking out the door and I seen this guy in a motorcycle across the across the women's club there on the street and he was kind of looking in the window He was sitting there and I I believe he was just he was there to to come to the Bible study but he didn't have enough whatever it took to get up and go in and I should have went over and talked to him but out of my discouragement I just kind of just put my head down I walked to my car you know and I'm talking to the Lord I'm like Lord zero Lord goose egg nothing and I'll never forget the Lord spoke to my heart and he said be consistent and I knew exactly what he meant he says they know you're here They're going to go through difficult times. They're going to go through rough times, and they're going to have troubles and turmoil, and they know that there's a light in this community. Be consistent.
0: You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick an Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714 788 8221. That's 714 788 8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.